Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple of weeks or so, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you'll listen into each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. On this episode, I interview Emily Martin. She is a yoga teacher and owns Any Body Yoga. It already sounds awesome, right? She champions body positive and mindfulness-based yoga. I could not love her mission more. She says it is to create brave spaces for all bodies to practice radical self-love through embodied movement. Could you just hug her? We talk about her journey into practicing yoga. She mentions right out of the gate that she uses the word fat and how she owns that word. You're going to love her encouragement when she says there is no wrong way to have a body. I love it. If you resonate with Emily, and I know you will, and you're local, she has a really cool series of classes coming up really soon called Body Positive Yoga, a yoga series for healing body image. And the link to that Facebook event is in the show notes, so go check it out. I'm going to need someone to take me with them to this. I love what Emily does, but I still get so nervous about going to a yoga class. So reach out to me if you want to buddy up for this yoga series. I'm going to need that accountability. Emily talks also about all sorts of other resources she loves and uses in her life, including a gorgeous book called The Body Is Not an Apology. So read the show notes. All the links to that book are and everything else are right there on my website, takingthemiddleseat.com. It's like a link party with decorations and appetizers and drinks and all the cool kids are there with their cool resources and websites and cool shoes and hairdos. Just get in on it. Just do it. And tell someone else that you love about this podcast. Every single day, I'm reminded that connection heals us. So share this podcast as a way to connect people to each other. I really, truly believe in it. And I love doing this. So, all right, let's get to the good stuff. My interview with Emily Martin. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so fun. It's so, so fun. I love doing these. So you own a yoga studio. Well, a yoga business. Yes. Called Anybody Yoga. Yep. So tell us a little bit about you and a little bit about Anybody Yoga, and then we'll get into like deeper details. Yeah. Um, Well, I started Anybody Yoga to sort of embrace this idea that yoga can really be for any body. Which is brilliant, Um, and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, because um, I think in, like, yoga has gotten really, really popular, um, yes. which is, is great. And I think along with that, there's been some ways in which yoga has kind of gotten wrapped into, like, the fitness and diet culture industry. Absolutely. Which I think is a little bit dangerous. So I really want to have, um, like, a space that is about, like, being able to do yoga in a body positive environment, in a like non body shame environment, non diet culture environment, yes. where it's accessible to people in any type of body. Yes, 
I love that so much. I can't mm-hmm. even stand it. Um, because I, like probably a lot of people, have had maybe one or two yoga class experiences. Mm-hmm. And then you think, well, I can't immediately do a crow pose or a headstand yeah. or whatever. So this seems super intimidating. And everyone in here is like this tiny, sinewy person. Yes. Who yeah. <laughs> has clearly been here for 20 years. Yeah. And I don't belong, so I'm just not going to do it. But mm-hmm. I do kind of like the idea of yoga as a way to move one's body. Like yeah. that seems like it should be a very accessible thing. And you're right. It's really, it's not always that way. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, I guess I can talk some about like my like reason for starting this is like my experiences as a person in a fat body. Yeah. Go there. Um, and yes, cause you can't see me. You can only hear me. So, um, and I, I guess I'll just first like disclaimer about the word fat. Like that's a word I use to describe myself. Got it. I choose to use it like without shame, like as just a descriptive word. Love it. I will say it's still a work in progress. Sometimes mm-hmm. when I say it, I can still feel those tinglies in my body of like, Oh, that's attached to some shame in there still. Yep. Um, but I really want to own that word. Cause like, there doesn't have to be shame in that. Like, I've, yeah. I've attached shame to it. Our culture has attached shame to it. Yes. There doesn't have to be. Um, yes, as a person in a fat body, I avoided exercise most of my life mm-hmm. because I I didn't like being in my body. And it, like, put me right up against all these limits and all of that shame. And it was really uncomfortable. And so, yes, um, like, both physically and mentally. So mm-hmm. I avoided it. Um, yep. And I... Really, for me, yoga was, like, sort of, like, the second step. I was already doing a lot of, like, personal, like, discovery and growth work and uh-huh. mindfulness-based work. Um, I took the amazing uh, mindfulness-based stress reduction workshop with Grand Rapids Center for Mindfulness. Cool. Um, which I think really laid a lot of the groundwork for where I am today. Yeah. Um, so with a lot of that work, then I ended up just kind of randomly going to a yoga class with a friend who was like, come with. And I was like, sure, that sounds like fun. Which I'd done yoga like a few other times before at the YMCA or other things here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that time, because I'd been doing all this work, I was like, oh, I really like this. I like how I can move my body. I like how this is a moving meditation. Mm-hmm. So I started practicing a lot. Like I practiced a few times a week. I eventually started practicing every single day. And was it always in a yoga studio or did you practice primarily at home? I primarily practiced in a yoga studio when I got started. Um, yeah. And for like pretty much a solid year, I was practicing every day in a studio, Okay, uh, which isn't true anymore, but, um, Uh it was for a while. And Yeah, I just, I super loved it, and I felt like it accelerated just, like, all this mindfulness work that I'd been doing, Mm -hmm. and just allowed me to be so much more comfortable with myself, and, and really brought me to all of that body shame stuff, like, there, I mean, there were some hard experiences in there, like, coming up against edges, and, like, really facing that shame, and starting to dismantle it a lot. Yeah, and, um, yeah, even the limited time that I've spent in a yoga studio, um, it I don't know what it, and maybe you know what it is about yoga that does this, but um, I had a couple of classes, and I was just like, like yeah. just started bawling, <laughs> and didn't feel like any real like thought connected to that yeah. emotion, mm-hmm. but um, just was all of a sudden just like 
like a release kind of. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think anyone who's done a lot of yoga will say, yes, they've had that experience. Mm -hmm. I certainly have Mm -hmm. had multiple of those experiences. And for me, I really believe it's just emotions get stored in the body. And um, my uh, teacher training actually had a trauma sensitive and trauma informed focus as well. Got it. Um, And so there's a lot of research behind that, which is not my area of expertise to talk about the scientific aspect at all. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's out there if you want to find it. And yeah, I think that is one of the things I really loved about yoga, that it didn't have to be, I had to like talk about like, oh, this one time this thing happened and I felt shame about it. Right. That some of that stuff was just stuck in my body and it had to come out. And if I was in half pigeon, then I would just start crying and it would be released. And I didn't have to figure it out. I could just let it happen. That's so true. Yeah, I think there's some things that we can't put words to, and it needs that kind of body movement thing to get that, um, you know, pull that out from wherever it is stored. Yeah, Yeah. that's brilliant. Um, So when you were doing yoga in a studio, and you weren't teaching before all this, um, what made you think, like, first of all, I could teach this, and second of all, this is the specific type of environment that I need to create that maybe is it because like you saw that it was missing or what kind of drew you to teaching and then this specific um, focus? Yeah, so um, it was gradual. So I was was practicing at the studio I was at a lot and then I decided to be an assistant there, which is, um, you know, someone who helps out the teacher and adjusts students in poses. So that was like the first step and Mm -hmm. it was really just, I was getting more into yoga. I wanted to know more about it. I wanted to go deeper and I was like, that seems like a good way I could like learn more because there's sort of extra training you do and you kind of understand the practice in a different way. And and when I assisted that totally happened, it made me think about my practice in a different way. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, that little, oh, maybe one day I'd want to teach this. Uh I was kind of there, but I was sort of, I think I still had just a lot of body shame and a lot of doubt about myself of yeah but I can't do crow pose or like I can't do a headstand so how could I teach yoga yep um or my body doesn't look like the bodies of people I know who teach yoga yep and I got connected to a couple of really great people Mm -hmm. on like fat yoga teachers online and I started kind of making that turn for me of like oh there are people who look like me yes um and I actually went to a workshop with Dana Falsetti, who's an amazing yoga teacher. Okay. And um, she does workshops and finally was doing one close enough to Michigan that I was like, I could drive there and go. Uh-huh. Uh, so I went and I remember we are like laying in Shavasana and she asked the question of like, I, I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was something like, if you stopped letting your fear hold you back, mm-hmm. what is it you would be doing? And my immediate thought was, I would teach yoga. Yes. Um, but I was sort of like, uh, I don't know what to do with that thought. Yeah, I'm not really looking for a new <laughs> career. And yeah, so then after that workshop experience, I was, um, I went to a teaching yoga 101 workshop where mm-hmm. you kind of, it was just like a three day workshop over the weekend and you got to like practice teaching and you kind of broke up in small groups and did some teaching. Okay. And I really, really liked it. And then, um, I remember when I did like my little segment where I was teaching like the seven or eight other students who were part of the workshop, uh-huh. uh, the teacher who was working with us said to me, like, I can hear the smile in your voice when uh-huh. you do this. I can like tell you love this. And, and that's how it felt. Like I felt yes. like I want to be doing this. 
Um, so then I was still like, well, yeah, eventually, maybe like five years from now, that's something yeah. I will do, which I think was just a matter of my fear still sort of dictating like, well, you can't do this yet, but maybe eventually. Yep. Um, procrastination. I like to call it lazy fear in my life. Like anytime I'm procrastinating yes. something, I'm like, there's my lazy fear. Yep. Um, it's that's like, no, it doesn't come with like a lot of force. It's just sort of like, yeah, maybe, maybe later. Yep. Um, I love it. And through some really awesome advice from uh, someone who's been like a really important mentor to me, like he said, you know, what that he'd been reading this book that was all about, like, usually if you have a five year plan, it's just because you still have some fear. Like, what if you just took those plans and made them happen in the next six months? Yep. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> so scary. Yeah. Isn't so it? that was, I think it was like in March of last year. Uh-huh. So all of this is like, really? Was that only just over a year ago? But it was. Um, was that workshop and then. Um, with Dana Falsetti, and then April was the Teaching 101 workshop. Uh-huh. And then in May, I started teacher training. So, oh, my gosh. Um, and I did my training with Grand Rapids Healing Yoga. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, it is. And I think <laughs> when you take the one little step, then step number two gets slightly easier, but not. It's, yeah. It's slow. It could be faster. It yeah. It would be nice. Um. But I love it. You just kind of went with it. And the people along the way, I love that when there's people like speaking into, yep, I see how this changes you. I see you yeah. light up. I do. Like all of that is just so cool. Yeah. Um, I have a friend that was one of my early guests on the podcast that said something to me that has just stuck with me. She's like, you just, you have to pursue whatever it is that you are dreaming about or whatever because you don't know who's waiting for you to do that and I think there's probably a lot of people waiting for someone like you to do this this specific type of yoga Mm -hmm. in this area like there's just that is such a need it feels like have you felt that like once you do it more and more like yeah I'm totally feeling this niche yeah I have really felt um I've gotten a lot of like positive responses from people or people who've like reached out to me via social media or um, other ways to just say like I've been looking for something like this or like I've always wanted to do yoga but I've felt scared and there you know there are some people who are doing this work in other areas but I don't think it's it's pretty in its infant stages in Grand Rapids there's not a yeah. lot of people doing this work here yeah it's so necessary I'll, you'll have to tell me a couple of people that you follow on like Instagram or whatever I follow at least one okay um, and I'll have to link to them so people yeah. can follow the those yoga teachers and body yeah. positive yep. people in the world because I think it's becoming more and more and more, which is awesome. Yeah. So you made a post that was pretty recent and you like listed all these attributes of your yoga practice or your yoga business. Mm. Um, and I think we should unpack all those little terms. Yeah. So you listed, I'll list all of them, then we can circle back. Body positive, mm-hmm. mindfulness based, beginner friendly. Mm-hmm. self-compassion, self-acceptance, and radical self-love. Okay, we're going to be here for like three days talking yes, about yeah. all those things. <laughs> all, yeah, very big concepts. But let's start with body positive. What does mm-hmm. that mean to you in relation to your work? Yeah, or so I think, I think for me body positive like could kind of be summed up in like all bodies are good bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we live in a culture that tells us otherwise. Right. Um, 
so for me it means like in yoga practice that you are accepting you're practicing with the body you have right now not some like future imagined body of like oh right now my belly gets in the way but you know if I keep doing yoga then my belly won't get in the way like focusing on yeah on right now what's happening right now and it it's I mean it's definitely like a hard difficult process like I was even I mean this is kind of a silly example but I was practicing in a studio yesterday um and I don't remember what we were doing but I think it was something with like interlacing your hands and I have really bad eczema on my hands so interlacing my hands hurts for me sometimes when my eczema is really bad yeah and I remember just thinking oh that's fine I'll just let this pain be here because like this this shouldn't be here this is just some sort of flaw I have but right to be able to honor like no my hands have eczema now so it hurts if I interlace them so I'm not gonna interlace them yes is yeah is the like how that shows up in a practical way I think in a yoga practice yes um and I think the other side of body positivity is maybe a little bit more political and a little more radical because I think body positivity has kind of been a little bit like washed out in social media and Mm -hmm. just like Ah, love yourself which is it's super important to love yourself that's great but I I think it's sort of missing some of that discussion of like and what of what about those times when you don't love yourself right because we still have them can like you still accept yourself can you still have grace for yourself and also recognizing that there are some bodies that are marginalized more than other bodies in our society whether for like skin color or body size or gender identity or all of those things yes that it isn't while like all of us can relate to um, body image struggles, to also recognize that there are some people who experience that very differently because of the way their bodies are marginalized in our society. Yeah, there's degrees of marginalization. Is that a word? Yes, I think. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think because even people in smaller bodies Mm -hmm. can have all sorts of body issues, negativity, whatever, but that is a little bit of a different story than Mm -hmm. someone who has a very large body and may have even more kind of external forces at play. Is that what you're kind of saying? Okay. Yeah, in like ways that they'll be treated differently when they go places, when they go to the doctor, when they show up in a yoga studio. Yeah, the outward expression. Yes. Yeah, I get that. Okay, so the second thing um, that you put as like a descriptor was mindfulness-based. Talk to me about that. Yeah, so I think um, whereas a lot of yoga is is more fitness-based, I would say, uh-huh. my like my intention isn't to like get you in the best shape of your life yes. when I'm teaching. I really want you to be able to connect to your authentic self. Uh-huh. So I use a lot of cues of, you know, notice this, like pay attention to that, and really asking you to do the work on your yoga mat to know that like you're your own best teacher like I'm there to make suggestions but it's really up like up to you to like cultivate this practice that is meaningful for you so I try and yeah set that up by cueing things that are um, embodiment based like notice where you feel a stretch and giving options to be like you can put your arms like this or you could put your arms like this and choose yeah. which one feels best for you. Yeah. So also like that agency and empowerment that like you get to make choices for your life. Like you can choose to put your arms like that or you can choose to put your arms like this. Yes. And that translates off off your mat. Like you get to make choices in your life off your mat as well. Yeah. Cuz I think in yoga classes and and I'm really just speaking for myself in mm-hmm. this is a person like me who feels like okay the teacher told 
we have to do this and everyone's doing it like this so yeah. I'm not I can't do it some other way um so just hearing a yoga teacher say you have permission to do what feels yeah. good or what feels right mm-hmm. or pay attention to whatever is so powerful to give people that like oh yeah this is my gig not anybody else's yeah um yeah yeah, and amazing. I mean, it's your body. Like, you make right. choices for your body. I don't make choices for your body. Right? Isn't that sad that that's, like, a totally novel thing? Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. It yeah. is totally my body. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think people that have any sort of negativity around their physical habitus um, don't want to be in their body. Right. want to be anywhere in that, pay mm-hmm. attention in any of that. And mm-hmm. we slash I am very good at just, like, Blocking that out. Yeah. And Checking just, out. Yeah. yeah. I'm really good at that, too. that. Yeah. <laughs> Well-honed skill to yeah. do that. So I love that you bring that in in a loving way and have, help people get back to that. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. And I and I mean, I really love what I'm teaching. And I can look out and see that, like, everyone's doing something different. Yes. I think, like, that's wonderful and beautiful, right? Like, I'm not choreographing a dance as a teacher where you all need to look the same. Yes. I'm... Yeah, providing a space for you to, like, really connect with yourself. Yeah, there's not an ideal that lives out here, outside of yourself. There's an ideal somewhere in you that is different than everyone else's ideal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and one of the other things I always say is, like, your body doesn't exist to serve the poses. The poses exist to serve your body. Yeah. So it's not like a cram your body into this template. It's... You know, there's, like, a general idea that has been developed, and, you know, if that works for you, great, but the intention behind the pose is that connecting to your, in, like, intrinsic self, and if doing it in the way that's prescribed doesn't do that, mm-hmm. then don't do that. Yes. I love that. Beginner-friendly. Yeah, I super, I think maybe there's some yoga teachers out there who don't love working with beginners. Right. <laughs> but I really, really do because mm-hmm. in some ways I still feel a little bit like a beginner myself. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't really all that long ago that I started practicing yoga. It was like three years ago now, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's easy for me to remember what it was like to be a beginner mm-hmm. and to know all of that, like, it's really scary to walk into a yoga studio mm-hmm. in a new place because there's, like, everyone seems to know what to do and you don't. Yeah. So I really try to stay away from, like, yoga terminology that beginners wouldn't know in my classes and try to say more just general, uh, like, step your foot back instead of pose names necessarily because people might not know those um also I don't use Sanskrit at all one I will say I don't really know it um Mm -hmm. and two kind of intentionally because I I don't really want to use it in my teaching because I I feel like there is sometimes maybe a bit of like a power dynamic there that I can be like I know these words but you don't yeah and again going back to I want this to be your yoga practice yeah you decide how you want to be and not that I have some secret knowledge that I need to give to you yes Love it. Because I think most studios and classes would say, like, beginners, welcome. But it's like, oh, like, isn't the whole space really conducive yeah. to that? Yeah. And I know a lot, myself included, again, um, I'm, I'm more self-limiting. It's not really the yoga studios issue. Mm. It's more like me going, yeah. like, but it's super scary. But if I walked in and it was, like, you know, set up in such that I felt like beginners were really truly super duper welcomed mm-hmm. then it, it is very helpful yeah. for sure okay so self-compassion and self-acceptance maybe we can talk about 
both of those. Yes, definitely yes. related. Um, and related to mindfulness based. Like mindfulness is the foundation. And I think um, mindfulness is often defined as like paying attention to what's happening right now mm-hmm. with compassion. And I think sometimes there's, or without judgment, uh-huh. uh, a little bit more emphasis on the like paying attention right now. And if you don't also have like equal heaps of without judgment, uh-huh. sometimes mindfulness can get a little like give permission to your inner critic to kind of take over. Yeah. That's happened for me before. Yeah. Um, like so, just pay closer attention to right, your inner like, critic. Right, like, oh, to all of these terrible things I'm doing yes. and how I don't like how I do this and how I don't like how I do this. And I'm a person who's supposed to be mindful, so shouldn't I be able to be better? Yes. Um, those, like, layers of judgment. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Not just one layer. Yeah. No, there's yes. multiple. Yeah. Yes, I love it. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually... Uh, a book I'm reading right now called The Body is Not an Apology, which is amazing, and I highly recommend it. Okay. The Body um, is Not an Apology. Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Okay. Yeah. It's by Sonia Renee Taylor, mm-hmm. uh, who's super awesome and is on Instagram, so you could follow her. Okay. Um, she, in the section I was reading, was talking about meta shame, which is feeling shame about your shame, and I was like, oh, I so relate. <laughs> <laughs> We're both like, nah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Because um, it's almost like, you know, as you dive into some of this work, then you... I, Sometimes I felt like, oh, and now I've set the bar higher for myself, and it's just like a new bar I'm not living up to, and a new thing to shame yes. myself about. Yes. So self compassion and self acceptance are really about just like allowing all of that and allowing it with compassion. Mm-hmm. So maybe you know you notice in yoga practice that um, you know you're trying to do a certain posture or something, and it brings up body shame stuff for you because you're like, oh, I wish I could you know twist deeper in this but I can't yeah and then you feel all the shame about your body um and self-compassion just asks to like that's okay that's right that you're feeling the shame mm-hmm. but can you extend yourself some kindness if you you know if this were your good friend who is experiencing this what would you say to them or yes got it super hard yeah really really hard but that I makes like it, it sound simple but yes. it's it's like uh I think what we were saying I don't remember if this was recorded when we were saying it, about, like, as you take the step and then the next step, it gets a little bit easier. It's yeah. like, if you, if you can extend yourself a little compassion one time, then maybe the next time it's a little bit easier. Yeah. And it is just a, a daily, daily practice of noticing when those shame or inner critic thoughts creep in mm-hmm. and then saying, hey, actually, I, I want to approach this differently and be like, yeah, I'm just having a hard time right now and I'm feeling some shame. Yes. Period. Not not having to, like, you know, continue on the thoughts because I'm uh, this and this and this. Right. Yeah. I feel shame right now. Yes. I'm just trying to, like, work through that in my own little moment here. Yeah. (laughs) Cash, that's hard. And yet just needs to happen over and over and over and over again to have it kind of take root. Um, And the last one, I just can't wait to hear you talk about this. Radical self-love. So not just self-love. Radical self-love. I love it. So um, that takes us right back to The Body is Not an Apology. It's sort of the whole premise of Mm -hmm. her book about radical self-love. Because self-acceptance is important. And it's a good, like, step on the journey. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's a little, I mean, part of me is like, really? Is that all I want for myself? I can just accept myself? Like, it doesn't really have that power of, like, really, like, loving yourself in a radical way. And I think the radical really comes in... 
um, particular, like going back to body positivity and what we're talking about, about marginalized bodies, like being able to like love yourself when society says like you aren't lovable or bodies like yours aren't lovable or, um, yeah, to show up like in a bold way and to, you know, even like the, we all have parts of ourselves that we don't like as much. Can you, can you like move in closer to those parts and let them be and say like, Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes I do some things I don't super like, or sometimes I have thoughts I don't super like, or there's parts of my body I don't super like, mm-hmm. but no matter what, like, I can still love and accept myself. Yes. Yeah. That, yes. That's even trickier. All yeah. hard things. I think a lot about, um, and I don't know if this speaks to this at all, but, like, allowing yourself to take up space. Yeah. Like, we, you know, there's so much focus on being small and... Yes. And as women, small and yeah. quiet and mm-hmm. tinier and tinier and tinier. Like, that's yes. always the goal yes. is to shush and be small in all the ways. And as a person that's not small, um, just a lot saying, I'm. it's okay if I take up space. I'm supposed to take up space. I'm in yeah. all the ways, emotional, yeah. sound space, physical space, all of that. Um, so I wonder if that comes up for people in practice, like wanting to, like being okay with taking yeah. up whatever space they need yeah. to take up. Uh, one of my favorite uh, poses to include in my classes mm-hmm. is like five-pointed star where you're just like standing with your legs wide and your arms out and mm-hmm. just taking up as much space as you can take. And mm-hmm. for me, that feels so freeing of years and years of like trying to shrink myself, hugging my shoulders in, you know, squeezing yes. my legs together, trying to not like take up too much space. It's yes. a movie theater and maybe yes. touch the person next to me or... Um, to sort of like trick the world into thinking I'm skinny, which which right. I don't think I've ever done. Um, <laughs> silly, you yeah. know that like yes. that fatness to me always felt like my biggest like shame secret. Yeah, which is sort of funny because it's like not a secret. Like it's very right. visible. Like people know what I look like. Yes, but it's um, true. But I didn't want to acknowledge it, which is like one of the reasons like I want to reclaim the word fat to to say like yeah, like, yeah. And for me, that's been really healing to just, like, bring, like, shame can't live in the light, right? To bring it out into the open of, like, yes, I know what my body looks like. You know what my body looks like. Yeah. And we can be okay with it. Yes. And have other people not quickly go, like, oh, I mean, like, you're not that. You're not. Right. Or, like, you're you're beautiful. That's, like, one of my, like, whoever said those two things were opposites. Right. Mutually exclusive. (laughs) Yeah. Clearly. I always find myself saying, um, especially around my kids, if my daughter's, Mm. Whatever. It somehow comes up that, like, there are people in the world that are smaller than I am. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, I'll call it fluffy. It feels mm. better to yeah. me. But it's totally because I can't name it. I just can't. Yeah. I can't. Ugh, yeah. I can't. It's hard. Something, like, <laughs> sticks in my throat about it. Um, and I trick myself to say, like, well, then that makes her feel like it's a, a better word. It's a, like, mm. I don't feel mad about it, clearly, because I'm yeah. saying fluffy and, like, yeah. happy, fluffy clouds, you know? Right, right. <laughs> Um, and I'm, that's probably just some word gymnastics that I'm doing. And she's well, and not. I think, yeah, everyone has their own words, right? Like, yes. And I know there's certain words that I, like, super hate and it pro- just has to do with my own body history and yep. words that were used about me yep. and how I felt about them. And and I recognize that other people might not want to own the word fat, and that's fine. Yeah. And, like, you get, you get to choose the own words that you use. Yes. I love it. Okay. So... There are, well, anything else you want to say about your 
before we move to like those three the three questions I ask at the end. Oh yeah. Anything else um, about practice yoga community? Yeah. Things. Um, I mean, I guess maybe just talking a little bit about how I think like in the yoga community, like people aren't really taught how to teach people in different bodies. Yes. Like, in teacher training, that's not really part of it a lot yes. of times. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you about all the tools and assistive things that you yeah. use. So yes, go yeah. there. Um, so one of the things uh, I'm finishing up right now is I've been doing this yoga for all training with Diane Bondi, who mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and and Amber Carnes. It's Diane Bondi and Amber Carnes. Uh-huh. They have this yoga for all training, and then you become like a yoga for all certified instructor at the end. Mm-hmm. And it's really about working with people in larger bodies and people um, with dis- disabled bodies or differently abled bodies. Uh-huh. Um, and it's just something that's super missing. Like you go through teacher training and it's sort of like, and this is how you teach people yoga. And there's some just sort of things that are like take, taken for granted that anyone could step their foot forward to their hands. Guess what? I can't. Like yeah. it is real hard and a lot of people can't. And let's, let's teach the people who are actually showing up to class and not just say, step your foot to your hands and assume that people should be able to do that. And if they can't do it now, eventually they'll be able to do it. Right. Or that that's their goal. Yeah. Goal. Or that's yes. their goal. Like maybe people aren't interested in doing that. Um, so the training is great because it's got, given me like a lot of tools and ideas, you know, and some of it is stuff I already knew because I've figured out some of this stuff on my own as someone yeah. who's practicing yoga in a larger body. Um, but a lot of practical tools and then, um, kind of with some of that information and some other stuff that I've learned, I've been working on putting together a, a like how to teach a body inclusive yoga class workshop. So I'm nice. going to be doing that as part of Grand Rapids Healing Yoga's teacher training uh, next month. Very um, cool. And then I'm hoping that I'll be able to offer that like broader for yoga teachers to um, one, I think it could be helpful because there is so much like shame around bodies. Like Sometimes it's hard to find someone who is in a larger body who, like, is, you know, to be invited into that conversation, right? Because it's not, like, if someone hasn't invited you into the conversation about their body, like, I don't, I don't think you should insert yourself into that conversation. Yeah. Um, But I think for me, like, it has been healing to be able to talk about it openly. And some of the people I went through teacher training with, like, I've said to them, like, I can be a resource. Like, if you have people in your class who are in larger bodies and you're struggling for, like, coming up with some, like, how to teach them better, like, you can ask me those questions. Like, because I feel safe and comfortable with you and we can have that conversation. So to be able to, to do that for other teachers as well, to say, let's come together and talk about, like, the struggles to teaching the people that are showing up to class. Um, And I think it doesn't include just, like, people in larger bodies, like, people with injuries, people who aren't that flexible, people who are older. Like, there's all sorts of, like, basically anyone with a body other than, like, young, flexible thing. Right. Um, Which is a lot of people. Yes. So. Yeah. Widening that pool of who yoga is available for. Yeah. That'd be so cool if you can do a workshop and then, like, get it out to the masses. Yeah. I love it. So if someone came to a class with you, what does that look like? I mean, it, it probably looks different, a little bit different mm-hmm. every time, but like in kind of general ways, what happens? Yeah. Um, so generally, class outline, I, you know, make a little, uh, introduce myself. I always like to start with like, please make this practice your own. Like I make suggestions, you make the choices for your body. Mm-hmm. Um, give some ideas, like if you 
ever want a break. Like, you can take child's form, but also child's form sort of sucks for some people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, some other options, like, you can just sit on your mat, or you can lay on your mat, or you can just stand there. Like, you can take a break in whatever way feels like taking a break for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, so then we usually get started with just some warm-ups, either, like, sitting or laying down or standing up, and just, like, really simple movements, nothing... Um, that has any fancy yoga name like neck rolls and shoulder rolls mm-hmm. and rolling your wrists and maybe inhaling and lifting your arms up and exhale and lowering them back down mm-hmm. to just like get people warmed up and like start feeling into your body start lubricating your joints mm-hmm. uh, and then we usually do a few things like on the ground and then we'll come to standing and I don't um I think a lot of people when they think of yoga now they think of like power vinyasa or vinyasa because that's sort of the dominant form of yoga yep. these days um and I, my classes are there are some vinyasa elements but in a typical vinyasa class there's a lot of up down up down up down okay which is for me something I think that is a lot harder for people and so I tend to um just we'll be on the ground we'll do some things on the ground and then we'll come to standing and we'll do something standing yeah sometimes we do a little bit of up and down but mm-hmm. not we usually don't do like 10 sun salutations in a row uh-huh. or anything. So, yes. <laughs> um, uh-huh. yeah. And then, um, towards the end, I like to have like more restorative poses and, and this varies depending on where I'm teaching and what props are available to me. Yep. Uh, I love being able to teach with bolsters, but they're only available at one of the studios where I teach and I don't have enough money to buy enough bolsters for teaching in the other places because mm-hmm. yeah. those things are expensive. And that's like a round like cylinder yeah it's like a big pillow cylinder kind of thing which um are super awesome you can do some really great restorative stuff where you kind of prop yourself up and just sort of can let gravity do the work of kind of slowly opening your muscles kind of more of a yin style stretch Mm -hmm. um but uh there's also things you can do with limited props with just blocks or you know a wall is a really really great prop that most people have access to unless uh-huh. you're teaching outside. Right, yes. But, yeah. If somebody wanted to have a couple of assistive things with them, like they're going to a not specifically like yeah. body positive yoga class. Yeah. And they wanted a couple of things to take with them. What's the most like useful yeah. thing? I would say blocks. Okay. Um when I in in two blocks. Often in classes like people will just be given one block. Yes. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of two blocks. Okay. Um when I started practicing with two blocks, it like seriously changed my practice so much. Like all of the things that felt so, so hard. I was like, and now everything's easy. Ta-da! And it does and, feel like you're only allowed one. Yes. So. Yeah. But you aren't. Go take another block if you want it. Um, Emily says you can yes. take two blocks. In fact, I was the, I was practicing last night in a studio, and the instructor gave me one block, and I said, I'm going to go take a second block because I like two blocks. And it probably felt very good yeah. to get that second yes. block. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, if you're practicing next to me and you have a block and you don't seem like you're using it, I might take it. So, so keep an yeah. eye out for your yeah. block. Um, But I think two blocks, like doing, you can do down dog with your hands on two blocks and it kind of changes that relationship to gravity. So like if your wrists hurt a lot in down dog, that can help with that. Mm -hmm. And then like transitions, like the stepping your foot forward. Mm -hmm. For me, like that just gives me so much more space um, Mm -hmm. to be able to step my foot forward. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that can be, that would be my number one favorite prop is blocks. Got it. And they're, you know, 
you can find them fairly inexpensively in places. So yeah, if you're investing in stuff for at home blocks, love it. Um, I remember <laughs> this one yoga class. This is just a funny aside. So we were I was at this yoga class and mm-hmm. um, we were in down dog and the teacher was like, we're just gonna rest here. We're just gonna oh, rest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, there is nothing about me that yeah. is resting in yeah. this moment. I was like, are you serious? Yes. <laughs> and of course, yeah. it was probably, I don't know how long, but it seemed like a half an hour that we were mm. in. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of muscle work. Yes, yeah. and I thought, well, clearly I can't stop because, of course, this is not my decision. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so can. I just was yeah. like, I feel like my arm's going numb. One of my arms is going numb. I can't feel my arm. Oh, it was just like a total yeah. nightmare. But yeah. um, now I know I don't have to do yeah. that. You don't. No. no. Oh my Just gosh. Just don't do it. We're resting. I yeah. was like, my foot, we are resting. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, that's... And and I think, like, a lot of that language shows, like... Um, just because it hasn't been that yoga teacher's experience in their body, yes. like, maybe they do find down dog to be restful. Yes. Um, I, I don't find it, it... My muscles are working a lot when I'm in down dog. Like, yes. I'm holding my body up. That's work, that's you know? That's work. So. Yes. And the option, like you said, was if you wanted to rest, to go into child's pose. And then there was all sorts of, like, like I'm not not in, like, full child's pose. Like, I wasn't, like, a turtle on the ground, mm-hmm. you know? Like, yeah. it wasn't, like, flat to the... Yeah. And then I was like, well, even this, I'm terrible. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's just a whole... Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, child's form can be, like, really hard. Like, it can yeah. be hard to breathe in child's form. Mm-hmm. Also, like, not everyone's hips are going to touch their heels. My hips definitely right. don't touch my heels. Right. Yeah, and then it was just like speaking of the layers of shame. I was like, yeah. I can't down dog, I can't child but who? Yeah. Anyways, yeah. yes. Yeah. Hopefully, I've made a little progress yes. since yeah. that that day. Um, okay, so three questions. Yes. Mm-hmm. And if you these don't have to be like deep, thoughtful yeah. answers. You just say whatever yeah. comes to mind. Yeah. So if people are looking for more. It can be community, it can be connection, some sort of connection mm-hmm. in their life in a kind of genuine kind of way. What is something that you think they could explore, try out to create that for themselves? Yeah. Um, and maybe the answer is yoga. I don't know. But Yes. I mean, I am a little biased right. towards yoga. But I do, I, I mean, maybe this is controversial to say, but I do really feel like if you're interested in doing yoga, do yoga. If you're not then don't like Uh don't punish yourself by doing yoga just because you think you ought to yep um but in terms of like genuine connections for me that really starts with like finding that genuine connection with yourself because it it's just impossible to connect with people in a genuine way if you don't if you haven't built built that genuine connection within yourself because if you don't know the genuine you then how can other people yes um so I guess maybe going back to, like, the Grand Rapids Center for Mindfulness, they have a couple of really great courses, Mm -hmm. the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction, which gives you a lot of tools for, Mm -hmm. like, learning to do that, to sit and be with yourself, or um, they have a mindful... And that's, like, a workbook, isn't it? Like, or um, am I wrong? uh, There is a workbook as part of it, but it's, like, a... I think it's a six- or eight-week course. Okay. Um, and I don't, I don't know if they've changed the format at all, but when I took it, it was once a week for six weeks. Okay. Um, and then there's also, like, homework, right? So then you have, like, gotcha. all right, meditate for 15 minutes every day. And there's, like, recordings to do it. So there's, like, a lot of really helpful tools. Mm-hmm. So I think if you 
are like new to mindfulness and yoga, like that can be a really great resource. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've heard really, really good things about the Mindful Self-Compassion course. And these aren't just like Grand Rapids resources. These are like nationally based courses that are like super research based. Mm-hmm. Um, and Grand Rapids Center for Mindfulness is just the one offering them here in Grand mm-hmm. Rapids. Um, and the Mindful Self-Compassion one I have heard is less homework based. So okay. if you are feeling like the idea of homework sounds terrible and you feel very busy in life mm-hmm. um that that it's a class i've been meaning to take but i haven't t- taken it yet okay cool really good things yeah i think that's brilliant no one has ever said like you need to find your own genuine self before you connect genuinely with right. other people yeah. but it totally makes otherwise, sense otherwise who's doing it yes yeah. totally um is there or not is there but is there what type of space or person makes you feel the most seen mm. and heard in a real way yeah gosh real deep I know that, <laughs> I was thinking about this as uh-huh. I was driving over here actually and um I mean I definitely have like you know friends and people like that in mm-hmm. my life that I feel that way with um and not to sound like a broken record but I do think it goes back to that like fi- having that connection within myself like if I'm not starting from a grounded place, it feels really hard for me to feel connected with people in a genuine way. Yes. Um, which I think, you know, if um, I, I'm lucky enough to have some, like, good friendships in my life where I can say that, like, mm-hmm. when we're hanging out, like, man, I'm just not feeling really grounded right now. And or yes. I'm feeling really anxious today. And uh, sometimes just the acknowledging of it yeah. helps so much. For sure. Yeah. Um, this is kind of unrelated, but I'm just, I just thought of this. What does your own practice look like? Like your own yoga practice or your own mindfulness practice or meditation practice or whatever that all entails? Um, So I have like a morning meditation practice, Mm -hmm. which looks different every day. Uh And some days looks non-existent Uh if I'm really real. Uh Um, And... Yeah, I and on purpose. Like, I don't want to have, like, a this is what I must do every day because then that just feels like it's coming from a place of punishment and not of self-love. Yep. Um, so, but even on those mornings where I'm like, I really don't want to meditate at all. I don't want to do it at all. Mm-hmm. I try, which I say try because sometimes I succeed and sometimes I don't. Yep. To just, even if my morning meditation practice is, okay, we'll just sit on your bed and take three deep breaths. Yes. <laughs> like, that's better than nothing at all and does change the tone for my day. And sometimes, yeah. you know, once I start doing that, I'm like, oh, actually, I want to sit here a little bit longer and take mm-hmm. a few more breaths. Mm-hmm. Or may- maybe I don't. Maybe I take three and that's that. Yeah. Um, sometimes movement is part of that for me in the mornings, mm-hmm. but really gentle, slow movements, no no intense vinyasa practice for me in the mm-hmm. morning. Um, I'm not really a morning person, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Um, and then in terms of my yoga practice, if I'm really real, that is a struggle for me currently at the studio I started practicing at and was a big part of my life for a while. It just doesn't work for me anymore, mm-hmm. and I haven't really found a new home. Um, mm-hmm. I have been, because Flip Dog Yoga opened, which is right by my house and I'm teaching there, that I'm really hopeful and excited about that as like a place to practice. Yeah. And then also sometimes I just practice at home, which... Mm-hmm looks all sorts of ways sometimes people might even look at that and say that doesn't even really seem to be yoga you're like (laughs) yes it is yeah i'm just moving my body around in some ways yes yeah yeah 
Because I would think it's it could be difficult as a teacher to, because that's a whole different type of energy than being in, you know, participating or doing your own practice mm-hmm. to if you're teaching and working and do all the things to do your own yoga yeah. practice. Yeah. It must be I think that tricky. is really true. And I, yeah. I think I'm not the only person I've heard this from, but in some ways, like doing all the teacher training stuff, it has made me think about yoga a lot, which uh-huh. what I really liked about yoga was that I would be really in my body and not think about it. And now it can be really hard to practice without overly thinking about it and thinking, yes. oh, how is this person teaching? Yes. Do, like, do I like that? Do I not? How would I teach it differently? Um, so I'm currently trying to explore some like different movement options in my life for something that I cannot think about quite yeah. as much, like just going for a walk. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I like that. All right, so my last question, which is my favorite question. Mm -hmm. Things that you're just loving, like your favorite things right Um, now. Okay, one of my favorite things is milkweed. This is like my favorite plant in the whole world. Do tell. (laughs) I can't wait. So um, some people hate on milkweed. I mean, it has weed in the name, so people are like, that shouldn't even be growing. Right. Um, (laughs) I I have a whole bunch of it that grows in my yard, and... I love it so much that last year I devoted my Halloween costume to milkweed. I just tried to be the embodiment of milkweed. You're like my favorite person (laughs) all of a sudden. Um, The flowers are just gorgeous and they're purple, which is like my favorite, favorite color. Uh Um, And yeah, it's edible. And then it makes these like fluffy pods that come out. And I think it is a super undervalued, underappreciated plant. Also, it's what monarchs eat. And yes. the monarchs need help, so don't pull the milkweed out of your garden. Plant some, even. What part of it is edible? Um, so you can eat the, like, you can saute the pods and eat them. Oh. Yeah, I actually haven't done it. Okay. Um, and there's probably a certain time to harvest it. And I think, like, this is something you should look into because there are <laughs> yes. some parts of it that, like, aren't great for your liver if you eat too much of it. Okay. Or if, like, you eat it raw. Don't so go binging on milkweed before doing don't. your homework. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think it's also good for bees. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, bees are all over it at my house. They need need all the help they can get, too. Yeah. I will tell you, we have milkweed out front. Awesome. Yes. Mm -hmm. And the little fluffy bits make me super happy. Yeah. They're really pretty. Yes. Yeah. And the flowers are so, like, I don't know, just, like, the way they lay and the color of them is really Mm -hmm. gorgeous. I love it. Okay. So, milkweed, number Mm -hmm. one. Anything else? Um... Uh, Frosty Boys, non-dairy, gluten-free, um, soft serve and flurries. Absolutely. Um, they're super, super good. Uh, it's very close to my house, so I like to walk there. And, yeah. Yes. If you come to yoga in the park, you could walk there afterwards because it's very close. Perfect. Yeah. I used to, I grew up on that side of town. Uh, and I remember, go, I mean, Frosty Boy has been around for a minute. Yeah. Um. And we drove by there recently, and I was like, look, kids. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, whenever mom, it's an ice cream shop. Yeah. Um, but, yes, fond memories. They, of course, did not have non-dairy gluten-free, yeah. all the things back yes. in the day. Yeah. But I'm glad they do now. Yeah. So it doesn't taste terrible. It's, like, legit good. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't want to get too much into, like, my own personal dietary huh. preferences. Right. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think especially, like, being a yoga teacher, I don't want to be like, everyone should stop eating dairy or, any, right. like, eat what you want. <laughs> like, yes. 
for um, you. Yes. This is a delicious Dairy doesn't really treat. make me feel very good. Got so it. I don't like to eat dairy. Yes. Perfect. Anything else? Or did we cover um, it? No. Oh, I, um, I guess favorite music. So I just saw yes. Tunde O'Lanaran this week. If you don't know him, totally check out his music. He is amazing. He Who writes, is it? Say it again. Tunde O'Lanaran. Okay. He's from Flint. He just um, did Graham on the Green last week. Okay. Um, his music is really awesome and empowering, and he talks about bodies and marginalized bodies and all sorts of amazing things. Very cool. Yeah. All right. I like it. All right, I will link to all those things in the okay. show notes. Every single thing we talked about, we'll all right. get it all in there. Mm-hmm. Um, this was so fun. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here, in, like in this community, and being a voice for marginalized bodies and differently abled people and people who want to do yoga and all of it. I love mm-hmm. it oh, so thank you. much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. conversation with Emily. She is one of those people who make you feel immediately accepted and at peace the minute you're in her presence. She has such a gift for validating and holding space for others. She is clearly doing her work. I love it. I love her work so much and I'll say it again. I'm so glad she's in my actual community. Her work is so needed everywhere, but I feel really lucky that she's here. Don't forget to check out her upcoming series of body positive yoga classes. Just another reminder, you can find that link to the event in the show notes. Also, I'm encouraging people to purchase any books I suggest at a website called wearelitgr.com. You don't have to be local, um, but We Are Lit is a locally owned woman-owned online bookshop. I had a chance to meet the owner, Kendra, and I just love what she's doing and I want to support it. So I would love it if you'd consider buying books locally from We Are Lit. You can be anywhere. You can buy them right online. It's awesome. If she doesn't have your book right on her website, she'll order it for you. It's easy peasy. I just did it and she made it so easy on me. So it is at wearelitgr.com. So rad. Okay, listeners, go forth and take those middle seats. Learn about people and then tell people how to find the podcast and show them how to listen. I hope you loved the show and I hope you keep loving it each and every time. I'll be back soon with another episode of Taking the Middle Seat.